0: Welcome everybody into the valley I am Ethan Shutt joined as always by Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt gentlemen how are we doing on this Sunday evening following a uh, odd odd loss to the thunder
1: doing all right it's been a busy weekend here on my end we've had a lot going on with work so uh, it's been it's been hectic it's been crazy as as I'm kind of still transitioning in this new job but it's been it's been a good weekend how are you guys doing?
2: I'm good. I'm starting to. Uh, I'm starting to question an idea that always gets floated around. You know the idea, like could Alabama football beat a really bad NFL team? Could like the 2014-2015 Kentucky team beat a really bad NBA team? With the third string Thunder beating the Phoenix Suns tonight, who's to say? Who's to say when a uh, Theo Maladon? Hoku, Aaron Wiggins, Oliver Starr are uh, leading the charge against the league's best team any given night.
0: It was, it was like the Thunder were trying to let us win given the players they threw out on the court and the Suns just said, you know what? We're all right. You go ahead and take this one for us. But seeing Shea, Gildress Alexander and street close on the sideline and then looking at the score it just didn't seem like those two images should be able to correspond like they were.
2: So we're, we're dedicating this entire episode to overreacting to this loss, right? Uh, Yeah.
1: First round, first round loss out of the playoffs right after tonight.
0: For sure. I'm scared of the Lakers now, personally. Oh my. Yeah. I will say it was a, it was a weird week. um, If I told you that we were playing four teams, uh, two of them being the Sixers and Warriors, uh, one of them being the Thunder. And I said, we win two of these games. I'm guessing we wouldn't have uh, predicted the thunder being the loss uh, and then throw in there that we've got the game against the Grizzlies and we've for anyone that's a regular listener uh, to the podcast. First of all, welcome back Uh, for those that are new here. Welcome. Uh, Feel free to check us out on the bright side podcast network and all that good stuff, but wanted to go ahead and remind those who've been listening and tell those who don't because of where we live and League Pass being League Pass, we actually cannot watch Suns-Grizzlies games because of what, local, blackout, something or other. And then if those games happen, we have to wait, what, 48 hours, 72 hours, three full days? Yeah, it's three days. So when the games
2: happen on Tuesday or Wednesday, we can all watch it before before the pods. But all of our League Pass subscriptions are anchored in Kentucky. So Cavs games, Pacers games, and Grizzlies games – are all blacked out for us. So that to say, we all haven't had a chance to watch the the Grizzlies
0: game quite yet. So we're basically just basing that one off of, off of the stat sheet, which you can only do so much, let's be real. Um, but again, if you told me they lost at Memphis, not going to shock me. Uh, on top of that, both teams had the seeds that they have clinched going into it, so I'm not going to take it and read too much out of it um but yeah it it was a weird week uh we had sixers we had warriors we had grizzlies and thunder in the week two and two some bright spots cam johnson returning which is great uh tonight i think was the first time we've seen anyone get rest due to preparation for the playoffs i think uh unless i'm forgetting one it looked like tonight based on the designation on the espn nba.com it had booker and Aiton out for dnp rest it had crowder out for dnp coach's decision which i would assume is rest as well uh but we we saw the regular guys go and and still the score remained what it was but weird week overall we're we're not in the business of overreacting but uh we'll we'll try to keep it nice and spicy for you guys uh looking at the week as a whole i feel like Warriors and Sixers were a month ago in relation to the Grizzlies-Thunder game. So let's try to wind our brains back a little bit. Let's go, to the, let's go to the two wins first, and we'll kind of categorize them that way. Looking at the Sixers game and the Warriors game, what was it that jumped out to you the most uh, in those two big wins? And, Philip, I guess I'll start with you.
2: James Harden's trash at defense. Sure. No, uh, that's, a, that's a little unfair because he wasn't, he wasn't terrible the entire game, but it's in all actuality, it's the Suns' execution down the stretch against the 76ers. It was outstanding. They just curb-stomped the 76ers down the stretch of that game, and it was a joy to watch. But that game, that game as well, we've talked in our little podcast group chat that we have about the edginess that this team has had. And I think Ryan mentioned it last week on the pod. I texted Ryan and Ethan during the first quarter of that 76ers game. And Devin Booker was talking crazy that game. He was talking to everybody. He looked like fans. He was John at the 76ers bench in the first quarter. So it was a lot of fun. It was a high intensity game against the 76ers and the same thing at Golden State, especially with Golden State making a couple of big runs in that, in that game. So the Suns, showed the kind of composure that they've played with all season in those two games and came up clutch in a couple really big moments one of which we'll
1: explore a little later on in the episode what stood out for me was like i i felt like we were still really locked in and engaged from a playing standpoint at this point we we've got the the one the one clinched in the playoffs so you're always curious to see kind of do your teams take a step back? What happens kind of moving forward? Do guys look for uh rest or opportunities for, for maybe fewer minutes. And so we get two really good wins against two very good teams. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we're going to stay super locked in, super in step kind of moving towards these uh, at the time remaining, I think seven or eight games. Uh, so they kind of got the, the week off on a really high point, right? The, the Sixers game, especially book and, and Chris Paul were both, really locked in. I think in that Warriors game, uh, D.A. went for like 16 and 16. Book didn't have a tremendous night that night, if I'm not mistaken. He shot like 20 percent from the field with most of his points coming from free throw. So not not the greatest night with the Warriors. But then it kind of set up this really kind of dud of a back end of the week with the two losses that you mentioned. So to me, it got the week off on a great high point, but kind of set up these to sting a little bit more in my book because I was really excited that we were, you know, still playing really well uh with, with the end of the season coming around.
2: I'm curious from your perspectives as more just in the Wolf fans. From my vantage point, I would rather the week go the way it did, beating the 76ers, beating the dubs, and then losing to who I think are inferior opponents to those team losing to Memphis and then losing to the thunder. What would you, what would you guys rather do? In other words, if you were going two and two this week, how would you rather split it up?
1: I think instinctively I would agree with you, but the fact that both the Grizzlies and the thunder had so many of their key players out and we still lost both games feels a little weird. Uh, because if you're, if you're looking at the Grizzlies, you had Bane out, uh, Adams, Morant, like three huge players in their offense and defensive side of the ball. So to get losses to both of those teams with key players out, just it feels kind of icky to me. I, I, this is like the, like the word that came to my mind. It's like, I don't feel good about the losses, even with that perspective.
0: See, I think Ryan's point gives some credence to your argument. And and I think it lines up well with something that Monty said in the presser tonight after the loss of the thunder in talking about the level of intensity and competitive edge, he said it just wasn't there for the Suns, and that it's never happened two games in a row until now. And I think part of it could be against the Sixers and warriors. They're going against these, these teams that are constructed and playing healthy to a point where you could see them in the playoffs or the finals or a whatever. Uh, And obviously Curry's out, but you still got Dre, you still got clay and then the Sixers were still going maybe that brings out that next little bit of edge. Like I can't see Booker running his mouth against the Thunder team that got rolled out tonight, right? Like their leading scorer, I think, or at least a career high was Olivier Saar, who is a seven foot center most points I think ever. And the only reason I know who he is is because he played at Kentucky as a grad transfer, I think from wake forest, maybe like, it's not one of those things where I expect the sons to come out and be like, Oh, these guys think they can hang with us. Like, let's, let's go ahead and drive them into the dirt. It's it, maybe it's just tough when you have that much stuff locked up already to come out and find that reason to play angry. Um, and tonight, obviously no Jay, no book, no Chris, or no, sorry, not no Chris, uh, book Aiden and, and Jay, But the first two felt like playoff atmosphere games. I mean, the crowd was crazy. That Warriors game was intense and awesome. Uh, And going against the Sixers, that's a team that gets put in that position that the Suns should be talked about, right, as a powerhouse. So maybe that's a part of it. Uh, Losing to the Grizzlies, I just don't care, honestly. Um, If if we're going to – I'd rather that than, like, show some stuff that Monty's got saved for the playoffs over a win that just isn't needed and doesn't matter. Like – if I'm a Grizzlies uh, video analyst or whatever, I don't know, like you're not looking at that game and saying, oh, look, we found the way to stop the Suns. I mean, book went off. Like book had a great game an efficient game. It just, it wasn't it. And maybe they just didn't have that motivation. And that's maybe why Monty's kind of calling that up of saying like, look, that edge wasn't there two nights in a row. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question fully, but. I need to, I, I need to go back on record. Uh, I apologize to the
2: Oklahoma City Thunder, to Sam Presti, to all the Thunder fans that listen to Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. I definitely said Oliver Starr earlier in the podcast because I was just scanning the box score and scanning the Thunder's roster. And I did not I did not know that, that I needed to uh, pull up my cultured uh, linguistic capability abilities with Olivier Sar. So my humblest apologies to all the Thunder zombies out there.
0: Hey, and the Kentucky fans that listen, we probably have one of them that's like, these are Kentucky boys. Shout well, out I, to my dad. I was going to say, Philip, you're apologizing to your dad right now. Anything yeah, you to yeah. say to Yeah. Sorry, Pops. No, I, I think it was a weird week. And again, like I think, I think our answer regarding the first two games kind of gives some idea of our thoughts towards the second two games. Uh, like I said, I was at least happy to see the performance just statistically that the Suns were able to give against the Grizzlies as a whole, it wasn't anything magical. Like no one really played out of their mind outside of book and McHale on the offensive end of things. And I don't, sorry, I don't want to discount campaign. Campaign had five of six, 11 points. That's great. And whatnot, but like, there wasn't, there wasn't much happening there. And Deandre eight going four of eight, in 22 minutes a little discouraging so again i just i don't know i'm more concerned about players staying healthy right now and i know people want the record right if you if you hop on twitter everyone's talking about the Suns' single season record i saw some people joking like yeah the sun's probably just didn't want it tonight because they wanted to make sure book and Ayton were on the floor like whatever I'm I'm convinced this team just wants to stay healthy, wants to get Chris's legs back, wants to get Cam Johnson some good healthy minutes before the playoffs, and then Monty's got some tough decisions to make. So I, I don't know what to say. Um, I was curious, between the Sixers game and the Warriors game, just as fans of basketball, which of those did you guys enjoy more?
1: Personally, the Sixers, just because I like the environment. Again, to Philip's point, I mentioned it last week. I love Edgy Booker, uh, and I, yeah, I, I, think Joel Embiid has a really strong case for MVP. So getting that win just felt really good, especially after the last couple weeks for Booker. Philip, what are you thinking?
2: I'm conflicted. I I hate watch James Harden, no matter who he's on. I was actively rooting against the Nets. I actively rooted against the Rockets for years. I don't like his play style. I think he is himself annoying. I think he's unprofessional. I think he is the reason his teams have fallen short for the last five-ish years because of his inability to take his job seriously in the offseason and throughout the season. I think he is personally culpable for his injuries, by and large. I think he just gets worn out. I can keep going. I don't like James Harden at all in case that was unclear. I also really like watching the Warriors. I think they're a lot of fun. I loved the defensive intensity in that Warriors game. So I'm really conflicted over, did I enjoy watching James Harden lose more or watching two of my favorite teams (laughs) play each other and play really well? So, you know, just for balance's sake on the podcast, I'm going to say I enjoyed the Golden State game more and watching the Suns pull out a dub against a really good team.
0: I feel that I also enjoy watching James Harden lose. Uh, And I do want to say some of the best insight in terms of uh, the nitty gritty of basketball was provided this week by my sweet wife, as I watched the Sixers game and they were doing the opening lineup cards and they showed James Harden. And she said, is that real? And I didn't know what she was referring to. And she's talking about his beard because (laughs) the way his beard grows around his mouth, it's just, I, we don't have video watchers, so I can do this without looking really stupid. It's just like a circle right here and then hair everywhere around to where she just kept watching. And she's like, is that for real? And I was like, yeah, there he is on the court. And so I got her attention. Like she was able to watch a good chunk of that first quarter. And after watching for a while, she just goes, I just don't get it. Like how does he eat food? And I (laughs) thought that was a really good question. How would you go about eating food with that monstrosity without making a big old mess? And again, these are the hard hitting questions that I get. Get from my wife when we watch basketball. Can we get Brooke on the pod to go further into detail and discuss this openly? I might be able to get a one-on-one conversation outside of the podcast and bring my findings. Uh, But no, I thought that was really helpful. Uh, I, I will say the game I enjoyed the most was the Warriors game just because the ending, it was a great game as a whole. It was also interesting and I know Steph's out, but Clay Thompson and Booker at one point were both five of 20, right? So and obviously those are just two players. But as, an, as a whole, both teams shot terribly. Uh, The Suns finished 25 from three and 41 from the field. Like, it was a bad shooting night. But again, we come back to these points that we talk about. Good teams win bad games. Good teams win ugly games. And as long as you're winning, that's where you need to be. And the Suns were able to win an ugly game. Uh, Jordan Poole decided to play Steph Curry as the uh, understudy, if you will but then reminded us at the end of the game that he was still Jordan Poole by taking a beautiful half quarter with four and a half seconds left, which we could probably make an argument that it wasn't a horrible decision, but the optics alone are quite funny when he's driving with four seconds. And he's like, time to shine, baby, pull up <laughs> and he launches it and you just see the rest of his team kind of like, what are you doing, man? But uh, no, I, th- I just thought that was a really fun game with a fun ending. Um, no, once again, no great performers. Doing a quick stat check, uh, only two Suns fans are fans. Two Suns players shot over fifty percent, and it was Chris Paul and Mikhail Bridges. That is not ideal to say the least. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was, it was a win. So those two games aside, looking at the losses, let's just let's find some optimism. Let's find some silver linings. Like we've all kind of agreed, there's not much to talk about or learn from. But I do want to say I think the biggest bright spot is that Cam Johnson's back, and that's great. Now, hopefully, you just kind of take my word for it, uh, but unfortunately, Cam Johnson, in his in his game's back so far, starting against Memphis in his 18 minutes, he went 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3 with 2 fouls and 1 point. And then tonight in the starting lineup, Goodness, man, this is tough. He shot four of 15 from the field, two of 11 from three with 14 points. So a simple question, do we think he's just knocking off the rust? Do we have any concerns given his health?
2: No, no concerns, especially because if, if memory serves, he started zero of eight from three. So he ended two of three. And that was mainly in the second half that he would have gone two of three. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be fine. Give the kids some time to get, to get readjusted, to settle into the rhythm, to settle into the sets. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried. I would say this would have to go on basically until the end of the regular season to have any real concern about Cam Johnson.
1: I'm with Philip on that one. And as somebody who has watched the uh, Landry Shamit redemption arc um, uh, full circle, I feel like I have to be in Cam Johnson's corner all the way. Sidebar
2: shout out to Landry Shamit's defense. We've mentioned it several times on this podcast, especially early in the week. Landry Shamit is a good defender, especially in the second unit on the Suns. I hope I hope Suns fans appreciate the effort level that he puts in on the defensive end. That was almost going to be my high of the week. It was my high of the week until the very end of the Warriors game. But shout out Landry Shamit, homie. He's doing he's doing good stuff on
0: the defensive end. Love it. All righty. Well, uh we now move on. To what makes into the valley into the valley. And that is our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows in Phoenix Suns basketball. Ryan, we're gonna go ahead and start start this one off with you here. As we look at our highs in a a mixed week, a two and two week, uh, where you did get to watch one of your favorite players, Joel Embiid, play. What was your high for the week? Uh,
1: my high is just the fact that again, Chris Paul has not seemed to miss a beat coming back from injury. Uh, there hasn't really been a moment where I felt concerned or worried. And I think that's going to be huge coming into these final, uh, what is it, four games of the regular season and into the playoffs. Um, from a player perspective, uh, my player highs is, is just seeing Chris Paul. Because um, you never know, coming back from an injury, how somebody's going to perform. And I've just been really impressed with with how healthy he looks and, and how locked in he looks. Uh, but again, I, going back to Phillip's question earlier, I think my high just in general is, is beating the Sixers. Um, anytime we get a, a chance to beat a, a high-caliber team uh, and do it in a way where your players shine the way Booker and Chris Paul did, it's just fun to watch. Uh, and I was just really, really happy after that game. So my high is ultimately the, the Sixers win. Um, but also much love to Chris Paul for being healthy and strong and keep drinking your milk, brother. We need, we need those strong bones.
0: Philip. Hi for the week, sir. During the Warriors game
2: towards the middle of the third quarter, there was a moment where I thought the dubs were going to run away with it. There was mounting energy in Oracle slash chase center and the there were a couple good hustle plays from the warriors a couple steals clay got a bucket all of a sudden the suns are down seven and it's just that that mounting eruption waiting to happen that happens with the Warriors and some of their dynamic shooters after that The play was a little sloppy, but it was a big question. I I wrote it as I was watching it. How do the Suns respond now, middle of the third quarter, down seven, all the momentum going the Warriors' way? Booker got to the bucket, down five. Torrey Craig gets a big steal and dunk, down three. Wiggins missed an open three. Booker drives to the bucket, down two because he missed missed one of his free throws. Another empty possession for the Warriors, booker floater, tie game. I mean, you snap your fingers and you go from the Warriors about to blow the roof off to all of a sudden the Suns are right back in the game. And then both teams just went tit for tat the rest of the game until the Suns pulled away at the very end and got some cushion after the, uh, the Jordan pool heave that Ethan has already mentioned. That kind of composure in a hard fought game against the Warriors is... Exceptional, But the Suns are good enough to counter a run that a dynamic offensive team is making, and I think those kinds of moments will absolutely be needed in the playoffs where you can shift the momentum seemingly on a dime.
0: Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I feel like that Warriors game had a few instances where you could kind of just see it going Golden State's way. And the Suns kind of just refused to give it up. And I loved it. I thought that was great. Because just to add, just add to that a little bit. If anybody kept
2: up with the Warriors jazz game the other night, the Warriors, even without Steph, can score in avalanches. They were down by 16 with six or seven minutes left against the Jazz and then just started pouring in threes with Poole and Clay. So that's the kind of that's the kind of hurt that that team again even without Steph can put on teams, and the Suns countered it with really good defense, high intensity, getting up to the level of the screen. Torrey making that that big play that I mentioned, and then just some silky smooth offense from
0: from Booker. The Jazz are getting pretty good at blowing leads. I'm not sure if you've been uh, keeping up with that, but uh, way to go, Jazz fans out there! You guys are doing great work. Uh, my high for the week, not my normal. I usually I'm able to single out something, but for me, it's depth. And here's my reasoning. I've listened to a few podcasts recently talking about playoff rotations, playoff lineups, whatever have you. Uh, the timeline guys had one not long ago where they were kind of trying to predict what it would look like. Uh, and then the low post was Zach Lowe had Michael Schwartz, who is a massive, massive Suns fan. He is a, I believe a senior researcher there. Uh, where he basically is the one feeding all the great info to the famous people with the microphones on like NBA live, stuff like that. Uh, And they had a great conversation about looking at the sun's depth and saying, okay, what's this is, what's this going to look like in the playoffs? And it was great hearing from someone who's not just a sun's fan, but obviously knows his stuff, be able to reiterate what I think we've said a few times where it's the sun's aren't going to be a team that say, Hey, we've got our eight and this is it. Like they are so deep and so good and have so much versatile talent to where they're going to be able to throw out a different seven, eight, nine at a different team, depending on how they're playing or depending on how another team is performing that night and flexibility is huge come playoff time. Just the ability to adapt is one thing, but also the ability to handle an injury or foul trouble is another And we saw both of those things take the suns out of games last year in the playoffs and being able to see the depth that we have, because yeah, it's easy to be like, yeah, come playoff time. Bismack's probably not the rotation. Great. But what happens if Aiden gets in foul trouble? How wonderful is it to have two centers that you can be confident about and know the system and are acclimated to what's expected. Uh, And we've seen holiday kind of get worked out of the rotation. We've seen Peyton, continue to have his minutes dwindle outside of a few interesting assignments. Uh, but you know what? If those guys get called to duty, I trust that they can handle it. And, and that's just a great feeling to have going into the playoffs. And it's one uh, that I don't think a lot of teams have, where you can be confident that you've got the depth to make it work. Uh, because injuries happen, fouls happen, right? You can, only, you can only predict so much. It was just last week where we had a game where I think we had three players foul out, right? Uh, you never know how things are going to go, but it's nice to know that you're you're well-prepared for whatever's ahead of you. Um, so anyway, that's that's my high for the week. Moving on to lows, and I know this is really silly and, and dumb. I My low is losing to the Thunder. I know it doesn't matter, and I know it shouldn't bother me, but it's just one of those things where your 62-win team loses to the second and third string Thunder. It's a bummer, and I'm curious... Monty always seems to have a pretty good read of the locker room, just in terms of the emotion, the buy-in, the whatever. And just a few days ago, right, the Golden State win happens, and the dudes are working out post game in the locker room, which is normal. This Monty actually mentioned that I guess their research department said working out immediately after a game is better for recovery. But he's like, look, it's not just that. Like these guys want to be together. They want to grind. They know the end goal, and that team did not seem to be on the court tonight. And, and that's a bummer. I, I just, I don't like disappointing losses anywhere, uh, let alone as we're kind of coming to a close. So for me, let's say we go three and one this week, and let's say we drop the Grizzlies game or the Thunder game. I don't have any tiny bit of doubt going into next week, next week's just next week. But if the Suns come out and drop the first game of this upcoming week, then I'm saying, huh, this is weird, right? Three straight losses. It just plants that little bit of seed of doubt in the back of a fan's head that maybe the players don't even consider, right? They could be just saying, look, just get us to the playoffs, man. Uh, But as a fan, it is frustrating to have that little seed of doubt of just saying, I don't like like the optics of a three-game losing streak in the last week and a half, right? So again, not super important. We're not making a big deal out of this, but losing is never fun. Losing to a team of... What feels like ten-day contract guys that somehow were given minutes for an entire year, uh, not not the best in the world, but anyway, that's probably just me being a petty fan, and I get my expectations are a bit high. Uh, Philip, what's your low for the week?
2: The three-point shooting was garbanzo. It was 100%. trash. It was really bad. So here's the deal on the season. The Suns average 11 to 12 made threes a game. That's not good for the league when you put them in comparison to other teams. They're around 20th in the league made threes per game. On the season, they shoot around 36.5%, though, which is really good. That's good for sixth in the league. So they don't take a ton, but when they do, they're efficient. (laughs) The last four games, so the games we've been talking about, they averaged nine made threes a game, which is good for 27th in the league over that stretch. And then they also shot basically 30% from three for the last four games, which is good for also 27th in the league. So the three-point shooting just wasn't there. And if you go and look at the box score for the Thunder game, you're going to see that's that's a difference. Cam and McHale got a bunch of good looks in the first half that just didn't go down. The Thunder shot really well. From three which normally they're not a good three-point shooting team so again it's it's picky to say the three-point shooting needs to be better but if you're looking to identify something to hang your hat on this week it's probably going to be the shooting.
1: Ethan for me my my low comes kind of similar to yours from a fan perspective uh and it's the fact that the last two weeks of this season and again i have to be careful this is very much coming from a place of privilege as the number one seed the best team of the league the last two weeks of the season are so boring because none of it ultimately really matters uh so it's it's hard to stay super invested in games from start to finish as a fan so i can only imagine as a player when you're like why we've got all of this locked up what is the point uh it just makes the last two, two weeks of the season really long Now, fortunately playoffs and the play-in games are just right around the corner uh starting on the 12th so we don't have too much longer to wait uh but I have a feeling that the days leading up to the 12th are just going to feel very long to your point I think you said the Sixers and Warriors game feel about a month ago and I feel like it's about a month until
0: the 12th yeah it's it's weird the only thing I will add that's kind of fun is that the Suns are kind of I mean, they're obviously in their own driver's seat, but they're also a very interesting roadblock for their next three games for other teams. So this upcoming week, we have Lakers Tuesday that, goodness gracious, the Lakers and the media around it are a dumpster fire. You've got Lakers legends calling out LeBron in a a litany of other things going on. They're vying for a spot. Then the Suns play the Clippers Wednesday, another team that's in a very interesting spot within the standings. And then Friday, they played the Jazz. That's a, that's very, very interesting. And then, no offense, Kings are Sunday, Kings are basically out of it. They're three games out of the 10th spot. Technically, they could make it, but not that ain't happening. So the Suns are in a very fun spot where they will be having an impact on other people's results, which that part's fun, at least. Like, there's a little bit of Suns fan in me as much as it'll feel weird not watching a LeBron playoff. It would be kind of funny to watch, watch that happen. A real uh, flip the script from the majority of my childhood. If the Suns helped knock the Lakers out of playoff contention. Uh, but yeah, it I, I totally get that. It is not the most exciting time of the year. Um, and honestly, even if we were the two or the three seed, I think you could probably say that and get away with it. But when you have the number one overall seed locked up this early, definitely plays a role. Um, well, we move on past our highs and our lows, and we move on to our, Just So You Knows. And I'm going to start this one off just because it's less of a me speech, but more of a, a call to action for you, all the listeners. I, I mentioned it already. Zach Lowe and the Low Post podcast, I don't know how many people listen to it. I know it's not Sun-specific, so maybe it's just that so you check in every once in a while. I like Zach Lowe a lot. I like listening to him. Uh, but when Michael Schwartz comes on, it is a treat for Suns fans. Like I said, he is a statistical, analytical Suns wizard. The man knows his stuff, NBA in general, but he's a Suns fan. And when you hear him talk about the Suns, he sounds like one of us. He sounds like a guy that's been a Suns fan through it all and gets just the how incredible this moment is. Uh, I won't spoil everything because he shared a lot of great stuff. But one of the most interesting things that I took away as a listener was that currently the Suns are in the top three in the league in offense and defense. That alone is quite a massive feat. Uh, one of the big things he does is, is talk about a lot of kind of the benchmarks the sons have hit and talked about historically other teams that fall within that company. But the thing that I thought was most interesting, and I think it almost blew Zach Lowe's mind was that the fact that the Suns are a top three offensive team, though they are one of the worst teams when it comes to shooting threes in terms of frequency, one of the worst teams at getting to the free throw line, one of the worst teams in terms of shooting around the rim. And so basically all these things that the modern NBA tells you to do, which is shoot threes and get layups, the Suns aren't doing them. And so the fact that they're shooting twos and long twos and mid-range twos at such a high volume is quite abnormal. And then you add on top of that, they have one of the worst rebound percentages in the league and one of the worst offensive rebound percentages in the league. So not only do they have to be efficient, they have to be efficient the first time because a lot of the times there's not going to be a second opportunity. So looking looking at that, and again, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Michael's a great follow on Twitter as well uh, for whenever he kind of chips in as a fan on some people's posts. But it's a great podcast, and it's about half of the episode. And if you're a Suns fan and you like learning about basketball and what makes this team so special, uh, that's my just so you know. Give it a listen; I think you'll enjoy it. If you guys haven't listened yet either, uh, it's a great one. So, a lot of good Suns podcasts going around. By the way, Joel Embiid talking some Booker, Chris Paul on the JJ Reddick podcast. Another staple in my in my bag. Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons talking about the insanity that is the Suns in the clutch. A lot of good conversations and a lot of good learning, in my opinion, about the suns and how they fit into the landscape. So anyway, that's it for me, uh, Ryan, just so you know, for the
1: week. My, just so you know, it's just some perspective. Uh, after the game tonight um, the sun's Twitter legend, Kellen Olson himself has been fielding all kinds of questions of people uh, who just are are kind of in sky is falling mode after the dropping the two games like we have. Uh, and Kellen also just put out this reminder and I'll share it for some perspective. He said, the last single iota of energy I will contribute to this is by reminding everyone of last year when the sun's defense tailed off to the bottom third of the league over the last 20 games or whatever it was before their defense got them to the NBA finals. Good day to you all. Um, the sky is not falling, whatever happens over the course of the next eight or nine days. um, Don't let that be indicative of your view of how the Suns will play in the playoffs. Now, if we lose out, maybe there's some concern there. Uh, I don't think we're going to lose out by any stretch of the imagination. So just remember a little bit of perspective. These things happen, especially at the tail end of a season. Just enjoy the ride and know there are big
0: things coming, hopefully. In uh, just a just a little over a week, hey, we're playing the Lakers and the Kings. We're not losing out, aside from maybe a Barneser beater. But I haven't seen one of those Come in a long on. time. No, not a callback to the beginning of the season. No, can I? No, can I talk now? Yeah, fine. Can can I thank, I you? Now? Justin, thank you.
1: What's your just? Thank Can I All talk? Right. now?
2: <laughs> I just wanted to get off of Ethan's awful, awful puns as quickly as possible. So it's hard to watch the last few weeks of the season, Ryan already said that because it's hard to find anything new or interesting to talk about or discuss. I did see a wrinkle from the Suns that I want to draw Suns fans attention to. You see it from other teams, especially who have multiple big wings, but the Suns are doing it with their point guard with CP3. So it's a set to watch for. CP3 brings up the ball like he normally does. And he pitches to Landry or Booker on the left wing. And then, interestingly enough, he goes and he posts up his defender, which is weird because he is not a big dude. So then the wing gives CP3 an entry pass and he clears out. And then the Suns run this interesting little stack play where the big it was DA against the 76ers, it was Javale tonight against the Thunder, will go and they'll run a really tight pick and roll from the post so there. cb3 is essentially posting up and da will come over and set a screen while cam or booker or Shamit will float to the top directly above cp3 and then cb3 has a couple different options if both defenders come at him he can lob it to the big he can kick it out if the defender helps down he can take a midi if he's if he's open if you're looking for some sort of basketball. To watch for some sort of nuance that we haven't seen much of season, look for CP3 posting up. And one of the reasons they might be interested in doing that is because of something we've discussed on the pod the last couple of weeks. Once we get into the playoffs, the teams who are playing the Suns are going to know all of the Suns' normal sets. They're probably even going to know some of the Suns' counters and will likely be aware of those. So a lot of times in the playoffs, it comes down to the best players on your team making difficult shots or making easy shots out of a seemingly difficult situation. I think CP3 post-ups might be something that the Suns eventually consider,
0: especially if they're playing a smaller guard in the playoffs. I'm just excited for the playoffs, man. Like, I'm, I'm really excited for the playoffs. And I'm also going to be very stressed during the playoffs and nervous during the playoffs and all the other emotions. Uh, and, and Philip, I just want you to know, I know you have a a child that's due in about six weeks, but my expectation is that you're going to be over at my house for not No two weeks. Oh goodness. I was thinking, wow, that's so crazy to me. Wow. Sorry. Podcast listeners. That was a real personal friend moment that I just had a small heart attack realizing it's two weeks, but anyway, uh, Baby or no baby, I expect you over at the house for uh, for games. Every playoff game, I expect you to be there watching with me. Uh, and Ryan, we're going to go ahead and Facetime you in on one of those little rolling iPads, like they have Perfect. when uh, when when the prisoners go to school and community in the last season that was on you you uh, Yahoo, the one that no one watched. Um, that's a real deep cut. I know you guys like using your Hobbit quotes and whatnot, but. Community season six, seasons six, in a movie. community season six for all you fans out here. You go ahead and reach out and you tell me how much you appreciate it. Uh But deen, deen, yeah, deen, deen. guys, we got we have legitimately we have one more episode until the playoffs. So we got to start game planning if we want to do. I mean, goodness, we'll need a playoff preview. But the worst part about this is we aren't going to know who we're playing. The stupid playing tournament. Uh, yeah, because I guess. Yeah, we won't know till the very end, will we? Because the first winner is the seventh seed, and then we'll have to watch that second game to see who wins.
2: We, we should be able to post two more episodes before we play a playoff game. Should be. Because I think they're like
1: three the play-in, the play-in is the 12th through the 15th, and then playoff starts Saturday the 16th. I would bet the Suns might not play until that
2: Monday. That Monday or Sunday. So we'll go one more episode about the end of the regular
0: season. And then we'll have a game one reaction podcast, which can be really fun. We'll see what happens. The schedule's up in the air. Um, if needed, guys, and I don't want to volunteer too much. I can go ahead and record a 45-minute uh, playoff preview for every single team in the play-in tournament. With just me talking for 45 minutes about everything I can learn. Thoughts? Go for it. Sign me up. Can't wait for your Lakers podcast. That won't go very well. It'll be very Malik Monk heavy. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> but uh, hey, what 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 are you going to do when you're a Cats fan? You talk about what you love. Uh, guys, I've enjoyed it. I will make sure that uh, we get this up and ready to post Monday morning. Those that are listening, we just want to again say thank you for sticking around and listening, hanging out with us we can be found on the bright side podcast network wherever you get your podcast. And again, we we keep saying it, we mean it. Follow us on Twitter at the Valley PHX. Feel free to tweet at us, send us a DM, whatever. Uh, maybe we can do another mailbag of some kind. If we're looking for something to do to kind of recap the season, maybe that could be fun. Uh, so send us some ideas. If you've got some, we've got a, a weird week or two before things really start cooking and our, our recording schedule probably increases a little bit. Uh, but guys, anything to add as we kind of bring this almost last week of the season episode to a close? No, nothing to add, baby.
1: Just rock and roll time. Let's get through this next eight days and see who we end up playing. I'm going to get that tatted
0: on me. Rock and roll time, baby. I love it. Philip. uh, How crazy would it be if the next time we recorded you're a father? Don't mean to freak you out, but uh, I'm going to be thinking about that for the remainder of the day. Can we
1: do an emergency pod from the hospital?
0: Oh, my goodness. Can we have an emergency babies here pod that has nothing to do with the sons? Isn't that what our Twitter account's for? You're right. It'll just be baby pics for a good week or so. And plug, we have an Instagram account now. You're right. We do have an Instagram account. I did make that. Uh, and i'm trying new things i'm trying new ways Oh wait, to- that's
1: not a fan account we actually started <laughs> that you thought <laughs> i love you i
0: love we're going ideas. off
2: the rails Ethan, wrap it up homie no wrap hey it up.
0: hey <laughs> on instagram the valley phx i'm gonna try to share some audio clips there so if you want to share it with your son's fans on your story or whatever you can do it we might even do a giveaway or something we might get crazy and with that i need to bring this episode to a close what a uh, tease sorry had to do it to him uh philip ryan enjoyed it as always for those listening have a lovely week thank you for listening for philip and ryan i am ethan this is into the valley of phoenix podcast we out finally